Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. the stories of Christmas. As we go every week, we're going to hear a different part of the story of Christmas. The gospel according to Luke is the most extensive and detailed account of the birth of Jesus. And so as we go every single week, we're going to look at these different stories through the eyes of different people. Today, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Next week, Mary. Then John the Baptist. And then the shepherds. And ultimately, Christmas, of course, Jesus. So that's the journey we're on. And the whole idea for us is to recapture a sense of wonder and anticipation for God, for the way in which God works in our lives, the way in which God answers prayers. And so as we go along this season, I want us to reclaim a sense of anticipation because I don't know about you, the the busyness of the holidays and the, the Christmas season can get so much that we might lose touch with what Christmas is really all about. And we don't want that, right? We don't want that. How many of you already, right? We, we have Thanksgiving uh, behind us. Uh, I, I don't. Actually, my family, we're celebrating it today. We're a blended family. Our kids have blended families. So a little complicated to get everybody together. So we do it after. We're doing it this afternoon. Uh, but some of you already celebrated your Thanksgiving and probably started shopping. And you're already tired. The season just started. And you're already tired, right? Maybe that's you. And I just hope as you're here this morning, you just feel God's presence and God's hope and peace, and you'll just be refreshed with God's word, okay? And one of, one of the things I want us to think about is how much time we spend waiting. Think about it for a second. How often do you find yourself waiting for something? Whether you're uh, waiting for, you're at a doctor's office. I mean, goodness, you go to a doctor's office and they want you to be on time, but so often maybe they get behind because of other people and you're waiting and waiting. We spend a lot of time at a doctor's office. We spend a lot of time waiting uh, at the movie theaters if a blockbuster comes up. We spend a lot of time at uh, the supermarket now, right? It's busy everywhere at the malls. We spend time trying to find a parking spot at the mall, right? And the worst place to spend time waiting is when you're waiting for your coffee first thing in the morning, right? But the bottom line is much of our lives are spent, we're waiting. We spend a lot of time waiting. And waiting is just the passing of time. And what I want us to think about as we start this season is that we want to wait with anticipation, with a sense of hope for what's coming, with sort of a desire for what yet is here. And and for that, I want you to remind you, I don't know if you know this, um, the the, uh, song of the 70s sang by Carly Simon, Anticipation. Anybody remember that song? I'd sing it to you, but I'm a terrible singer. We don't want to do that. But I will read you a couple of lines. She says, we can never know about the days to come, but we think about them anyway. And then later she says, anticipation, anticipation, it's making me late. It's keeping me waiting. The beauty of anticipation is that it actually helps us in the season of waiting. It helps us stay along. So I love that she captures that. And because I know so often, especially in our spiritual journey, we might be waiting, especially if we're waiting something from God, and it might be a a season of waiting, and then it might even be a hard season, but then God's 
answers our prayer, and we feel like, okay, all is good, God was good, my prayers were answered, and we feel like we can wait again. But for some of us, waiting seems to lag on. We wait, and we wait, and we pray, and it feels like God is not answering our prayer. And waiting gets very exhausting, and we need anticipation to help us stay in the waiting. And I know I love that we start the Christmas story with Zechariah and Elizabeth because what did you hear in their story? They were very old. Not just old. It says very old. Scripture was very clear about that. And so you can imagine this is a couple that had been waiting for a long time for God's promise. For a long time. And if that's you, if you've been waiting for a long time, so much that you've given up on what it is that you've been waiting for. I hope today it would be a place of hope for you. I hope that as we look through this whole, all the stories of Christmas, that waiting, if it's one of the hardest parts of lives, waiting for something that's worth waiting for is probably one of the best. And as we, as we wait with anticipation during the season, I hope we can reclaim an excitement for the Lord in the way that he surprises us as he answers our prayers. That's my heart and desire for you. Now, the story that we begin hearing today is of the people of Israel waiting for a long time. You know, a thousand years before this story we read today is when we see Simon predicting that one day God's promise would be fulfilled, that one would come to bring salvation into the world. It's the same story that Isaiah writes about. Long before Jesus came, thousand years before, he writes, one day a Savior will come. We see Jeremiah preaching about this Savior. So long before these people knew the promises of God. So I'll read you just one out of Isaiah chapter 40. It says this. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the desert a highway for our God. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God tells Isaiah, speak from the heart. Speak tenderly to my people. Comfort my people. I am making a promise, a promise I intend to keep. Give them hope. And he says, there will be one coming to point the way, and the glory of God will be revealed. The glory of God. In Hebrew, the word is uh, galah. And galah means, yes, to reveal, but it also means to reveal in such a way that it exposes. Like if you ever turn on the light and bugs kind of move all over the place, like it's a kind of presence that dispels some things. When the glory of God, the fullness of God is revealed, Things will change. And God says, this is a promise I am making. God is a promise-making, promise-keeping kind of God. He made that promise a thousand years before, and we begin in Christmas. Every year when we celebrate Christmas, what we celebrate is that God keeps his promises. And that through Jesus, we see God fulfilling this very prophecy. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. And in Malachi, God says, I'm going to send a messenger ahead of time to prepare the way 
for this good news. And Malachi says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. That messenger was John the Baptist. Zechariah and Elizabeth are his parents. And so we enter into the story of a man and a woman with a culture that has been waiting for a thousand years for promise to be kept. And so now the people of Israel, they've been waiting for a conqueror to come and take them out of oppression. See, the words of Isaiah were for the people of Israel when they were oppressed by the Babylonians. And Isaiah brought hope to them saying, God will come and release you from exile. You will be set free. But those words were also for the people in the first century. He was telling the Israelite, God will come. You will be set free from the oppression of the Romans. And those words are for you and I today. God's glory will come. We will be set free from the oppression of sin and evil. We'll be, we will be set free through Jesus. Those promises are there from the beginning. And the story we're reading is a story of actually happening. You know, it starts out saying, when Herod was king of Judea. And that's really important because as we start the Christmas season, I don't want us to, to um, forget that these are historical facts, not, not some sort of fairy tale. How many times have you heard that? People say, well, you know, the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales, made up human stories. No. When Herod was king of Judea is something you can actually look up in history books. You can see that this was an actual king. He was called Herod the Great. He was the one who rebuilt the temple for the people of Israel. It's historical. This story actually happened. God made a promise a thousand years before, and this day the promise began to be fulfilled. And so we pick up the story when Zechariah and Elizabeth are introduced to you and I. And first we're told they're both from a priestly line. Uh, Zechariah was from the priestly line of Abijah, who was once a king of Judea many years before. And so he comes from this good order of priests. And then Elizabeth, we're told, his wife, she comes from the priestly line of Aaron, another great priest, the very first priest of Israel. So we've got this power couple, right? Two coming from this great priestly line. And I don't know about you, but I immediately think if God was going to make his promise come true, he would not let you and I do that. He would not use you and I, would he? That's usually what we think. He would pick a couple like this. Look at them. They are coming from a great line. They're coming from a priestly line. Not only that, but it says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees. Wow, these were like good people. Do you know some good people? Like really good people that you think, man, those are good people. They're just right. They're just nice. They just, man, I can't be like them. They're just like so polished, so religious or so whatever. You just think, they're just perfect. God's going to work in their lives, but God's not going to work in my life. And that's what we might think of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We might go, of course, they're the perfect couple for God to choose to make his promise come true. But you miss this. Here's what it says. It says, Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They're not able to have children. Now, in today's time, we know people who cannot have children. It's terrible. I mean, many people who want to, but they can't. And so we, we see it differently. But in the first century, not being able to have children, that was a big deal. It was like the big scarlet letter. So the fact that they were from priestly lines or that they were nice and righteous, 
Who cares? The fact that they could not have children said something that was very shameful to them. Because everyone believed that if you could not have a child, that meant that you were under divine judgment. That though you look great as far as everyone else was concerned, there was something you did that God knew and you knew, and that's why you couldn't have a child. And so there was a sense of shame associated with it. So now Zechariah and Elizabeth don't look so good anymore, not at that time. And now, you know what, that says that to you and to me. It means we have hope. It means God can use us. God does use us, imperfect people, for his perfect plan. So we're not left out. No matter what our situation might be, God wants to use you. And so we see this couple unable to have children, and Zechariah is chosen. We're told he was chosen by Lot. Now, Lot was a system of throwing dice, which the priests would use to select who was going to do this particular ritual. The ritual meant that they would go inside the temple and burn incense. The incense represented all the prayers of the people. So this was a big deal. A priest was chosen for this uh, twice a month. Each uh, team was able to do this. Let me give you the numbers. About 18,000 priests were uh, working at the time. They were divided in 24 divisions, which meant that every division got a chance to do this twice a year, right? Now, each division had 750 priests, and one of them got to go into the temple. What do you think are the chances of a priest making it into the temple? Now, here's what would happen. The dice, uh, which were called throwing lots, they were not like the dice that you and I think of today that have little numbers. It was a yes or no answer. So they would have 750 priests all line up, and they would throw the dice. Is it going to be Priest John? Nope. Pick it up again. Is it going to be Priest Peter? Nope. Pick it up again. All right. 750 times or until the dice said yes. That day, they threw the dice, and is it going to be Priest Zechariah? Yes. Now, you could imagine. Zechariah was an old guy, but I bet you he was jumping up 10 feet. This was a good day. Chances are a priest would not get to do this, and if they did, they would get to do it once in their lifetime. What an honor. He gets to go into the temple. Now, I just went to Israel with a group of great people, and we were right there in Jerusalem, standing at the wall, what's left of the temple in Jerusalem. And one thing you'll notice if you see any pictures of it, you see people praying up against the wall. Have you seen that? And when when you're there, you notice something. There is a whole bunch of them up in the corner in the prayer. And what's happening is they all go to that corner because they want to go to the holiest of holy places in the temple. Now, that is currently destroyed. They can't get to it, but they get as close as they can, and they all just gather there to pray. Zechariah didn't have to do that. He was inside the temple. And what he was supposed to do was go inside as close to the holiest place of the temple where God's presence would be and burn incense. And as it burned incense, people outside could see the smoke, and they would know that God was hearing their prayers. That was the process. So he goes inside. Zechariah is having a great day. He gets to be the priest. They tie him up with a rope because what would happen is when they went in, either the smoke or the emotional excitement of it, quite often priests would faint, so they had to drag him out. No one wanted to go in there and get him. But he goes in and he begins to give out the prayers of the people, and something remarkable happens. God surprises him. We see an angel coming to Zechariah saying, 
right away, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Your prayer has been heard. Now, if I was Zechariah, I might say, uh, which prayer, God? I'm offering a whole lot of prayers over here for a lot of people. Because my guess is Zechariah, he probably stopped praying for a child. You know, he probably got to that point in his life where, okay, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. I'm not praying for that anymore. Is that you? Have you been waiting for something for so long? You even stopped praying about it. You, you, in one way, you took it out of your mind if you could, but for sure, you just don't think it's ever going to happen. And so here it says, your prayers have been answered. What? What prayer? And then he tells them, here's the good news. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will to call him John. Now, right off the bat, this is like amazing, because Zechariah, again, he's an old man, right? We're told very old. And so is his wife, and he would have been thrilled to have any child. Now he's like, finally, I have a child. I'm no longer under this divine judgment. No one's going to shame me. I, I don't care if it's a girl or a boy. Who cares? Awesome. I have, I'm going to have a child. But here the angel says to him, you are to call him John. You can't call him Zechariah Jr. I got a name for this child, John. And in Hebrew, the name is Johanan, which means Yahweh, that's the name of God, is gracious. God is gracious. Zechariah, you're going to have not just a baby, you're going to have a son. And that meant his name would continue on to generations. Not just that, Zechariah, your son represents that God is gracious. But it doesn't even end there. It says he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Did you catch that? This little baby was going to bring joy to his father and his mother, was going to be, bring joy to the people around them, and he was going to bring joy and pleasure to God. You see, the beauty of this is God gives Zechariah his prayer, but it isn't just for Zechariah. It's for all the people, and it is even for the pleasure of God. And so maybe the thing that you're hoping for, this is the thing I want you to know today. And that is what you've been praying for, what you've been hoping for, if it aligns with what God has in mind for you, please know it's going to not only benefit you and bring you joy, it's going to bring joy to the people around you and it's going to bring pleasure to God. And if somehow when you think about that thing, you don't see how it's going to bring joy to anybody else or God, then maybe you're dreaming too small. Maybe your prayer is too tiny because we have to recognize God doesn't just bless us, just us. He blesses us, but he blesses others through us and it gives him pleasure. And he tells Zechariah, this is the kind of son you're going to have. Now, if you've had sons, and, you know, you hear this, you're going to have a son who's a joy and a delight to you. You're like, yeah, that's good. I want that kind of son. And you think Zechariah is having the best day ever. He gets to go in the temple, gets to do this privileged thing. He finds out he's going to be a father. Awesome. You find out he's going to be a son, a special son. And you think Zechariah would be like, wow, thank you, God. Let me pray and worship, right? No. Because I think so often when we have been praying for a long time, when we've been hoping, when we've been waiting, 
and that thing comes, it almost feels like it can't be real. Like we're faced with it and we go, I don't believe it. Can't possibly be. It's so easy and common for us to look at it and go, can't possibly be. And so his reaction to me is very reasonable. He says, how can I be sure of this? How can this, did that, and then I love how he says, he says, I'm an old man. And he does say, hey, gentlemen, this is a good cue. My wife is well along in years. See, he doesn't call her old. Notice that? I'm an old man. My wife is old. How can we possibly have a child? How can we make this come true? And so often that's what we do. We say, God, is it really possible for you to give me that hope? That desire that's in my heart, is it really possible? How could this happen? Sometimes we don't think it can be done. And I want you to know I love what God does in this story because what we're reminded of is that God does not mind our doubts. Are they helpful? No, not to him, not to us. But he doesn't punish us for them. Look what he does. First of all, the angel reveals himself. He says, I am Gabriel. Now, let me tell you something. If you go through scripture, do a little Google search of Gabriel, however you want to go at it. Here's what you're going to see. The angel Gabriel, anytime he comes, history changes. History changes. It's like he's a game changer. He comes in, boom, everything changes. And so he goes, I'm Gabriel. Do you realize who's coming to you? He says, I'm I'm in the very presence of God. I am telling you what God said, and you don't believe me? Are you crazy? He says that sort of. He doesn't quite say it that way, but essentially he's like, do you recognize what's in front of you? He says, now you're not going to be able to talk about it. So there are some consequences to our doubt, but the promise remains. It's not like the promise has changed. It still goes. God doesn't take away our promise because we have doubts. Isn't that wonderful, the mercy of God? Because I don't know about you, I'd be tempted to doubt. And he says, okay, you're not going to tell about it. You're not going to get to talk at all. Some people say he couldn't even hear until the baby was born. But the promise will still be fulfilled. Because God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so if you feel like God has made you a promise, I want you to know God is a promise-making, promise-keeping kind of a God. He is. Now here's Elizabeth's response. Here comes um, Zechariah. He comes out of the temple. You know what his job was to do the minute he got out of the temple? He was to stand on the steps and pray the priestly prayer. Have you heard it? Number six, where it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. His, that would have been like the ending of this beautiful ceremony. God has heard your prayers. Now go home in peace. He could say nothing. And so he's standing there trying to say something, and clearly people could tell something happened to him inside the temple, but they couldn't figure out what happened. He goes home. He, he meets Elizabeth, you know, and you could picture this, this older couple trying to have this conversation without words. And so maybe he wrote some things down. And I, I'm thinking that it, it had to have been the weirdest, funny conversation, right? Because here's an old man telling an older woman, we're going to have a baby. And you know, honey, we're going to have to like get it on so we can have this baby. Okay, seriously. The power Elizabeth was like, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Why are you doing this to me? Why would you come here and just get my hopes up? We can't do it. There's no way. She could have totally gone that direction, gone all Puerto Rican on him like I would on my husband. But that's not what she does. Look what she does. She says, the Lord 
has done this for me. Her reaction, we're told in scripture, they, sure enough, they got pregnant. She went along with this plan. So we see the difference between Zechariah's response. How could this be? And we see her response. The Lord has done this. She worships. She praises. Either way, certainly it seems to me like Elizabeth's approach is a better way to go. But either way, the promise is fulfilled. Either way. And you know, I don't know what their desires were for a child, what kind of prayers they prayed, but God surprised them with something much greater than they expected. You see, God's not going to give us if the wrong thing. If we pray for the wrong thing, God's not going to give us something that's bad for us. He will adjust it, and perhaps even the desire we have in our heart is a portion of what he really wants to give us. And so we need to be brave to pray and ask God for that which is in our hearts. And sometimes it's scary to do that because we're afraid to be disappointed yet again, right? It's, it's hard to expect and anticipate because maybe if it doesn't happen, our hearts will be crushed. And yet here we see a picture of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Years of waiting, years of waiting beyond what's reasonable, beyond a point of any hope, and God fulfills that promise. And so I want to give us a moment. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I want to give us a moment to present to God our prayers. What might be in your heart? What you need to embrace this season and pray for it with anticipation. Paul in Romans 8 says, creation groans, right, for that day when all things will be made right. Creation groans as in childbirth. And the beautiful picture of that is that childbirth is one of those things that, listen, I'm a mom, I've had three kids. When you go through labor, it's not fun, it's painful, and you just want it to be over. But, you know, you're excited, a baby is coming. You know, there gets to that point, you're like, get the baby out, you know, because this is painful. But I'm looking forward to it because a baby is coming. And so as I give you space to think about what you might be praying for, hoping for. I pray that you will be given the gift of anticipation, a sense that God can, and in his time, in his way, he can fulfill that promise. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.